Hey, everybody. This is AJ from the Unnecessary Podcast, as you know. And we have a very special Unnecessary Podcast today. We have uh, my friend Taylor. What's up, Taylor? Hello. Hey, I'm going to turn down the Britney just to... Uh, to get us talking, you're a you're a big Britney Spears fan, is that correct? Yeah. Why Why would you choose that song for our intro? Why? What song should I have chosen? No, I'm just very flattered that you chose such a a classic. I I like that song a lot. That's definitely one of my favorite Britney Spears songs. And I was looking through the the library. Now you went to Vegas to see Britney Spears, right? Yes, I did. How do you remember this? I remember random pointless things about this people's like lives. Five years ago. Um, did you go with your mom? <laughs> no, I went with okay. two girlfriends. Ah, okay. That would have been, yeah. been awesome if you went with your mom. Um, well, that's cool. And, uh, and how was that? Tell me about that experience. It was pretty cool. Um, it, I went with two girlfriends who I remember skipping school in sixth grade to convince our parents that it was, it was, you know, a good choice to leave school to get her CD. Oh. And when she came out with her next CD, we were in high school and the one friend Lauren had gotten her driver's license. So that time when we skipped school, we were able to do it without telling our parents. So it was uh, a lot of fun for the three of us to be able to go to Vegas and see her in mm-hmm. concert after, you know, having her in our lives for 15 years. Yeah, it was like part of your experiences and like part of your friendship group. It's I've had the same I've had similar experience, not the same, but I've had close emotional connections to random boy bands or like Christina Aguilera, whoever it is, Britney Spears. Songs boy bands, take really? Places. Who? Huh? Boy bands? Yeah, sure. Why not? Like insane. Who's your like, new muse? What's that? Who's Who's the new muse where I get uh, the Snapchats of your karaoke displays? Oh well, I was I karaoke to Cardi B, which oh, yeah. is what you saw. Yeah, but last mm-hmm. night I did some karaokeing as well, and I ha- oh oh I was in Budapest doing karaoke in front of the Parliament Building with Eva a couple years ago. We randomly stumbled into this um, protest setup that was doing karaoke the night before the protest. But anyway, some other Americans crashed the party with us and they sang um, Hit Me Baby one more time. Oh, perfect. Yes. It was so great for the Americans to invade Budapest like that. Karaoke is just wild in other countries. Yeah. I hear in Southeast Asia, my friend Lee was saying that not co-host Lee, but another Lee was saying that in Southeast Asia, people do karaoke like in their house, even is this in like another suburban Asian and rural areas. No, this is not an Asian Lee. This is a white, a white male Lee, like similar to me. <laughs> but he he traveled extensively in Southeast Asia, and he said, "Yeah, karaoke is all over the place." Um, were you? It was. Is there karaoke in Tokyo? I know you went there too, right? Yeah. I've never sang karaoke, nor will I ever sing karaoke, uh, but there, it, it's huge in Tokyo. You know what else is really big in Tokyo? It, it's darts. There's darts. shops all over the place that you just go to buy new darts. 
like shops with only darts. Whoa. <laughs> and people like walk around carrying their bag full of darts just in case, you know, a tournament has to pop up and they need their darts handy. Very <laughs> oh my God. That's amazing. I, yeah. Wow. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Tokyo is a crazy experience though, because, um, Adam was there in the military. So the first part of my trip, we were in Okinawa where he was stationed. And uh, so I'm with a bunch of Marines and you're just treated way different uh, if you're in the military. And the Mm -hmm. second part of the trip, we were in Tokyo, it was just the two of us. And we, you know, from when you're, we were just traveling with a bunch of guys in the military, they're like, they don't want you in their stores. They don't want you in your, their restaurants. And like a lot of the times you're just like kicked out or you're refused service. It's a very weird experience. Um, yeah. You'd like walk up to a restaurant and they would just cross their arms and say no and not allow you in. And you know, like not something I've ever experienced growing up in the U S. Um, but, and then when we left and it was just Adam and I we were in Tokyo they let us in anywhere. It was like that we weren't connected to the military all of a sudden, you know, we were way more welcomed. So two completely different trips, same country. Is that from World War II? (laughs) I don't know, man. I think it's because the military has such a strong presence in Okinawa and that presence is a bunch of Marines who are just getting shit-faced on the weekends and causing a ruckus. Um, So... That makes sense. Wow. I love the things you learn when you travel that you had no idea you would learn about another place, like the darts or how how the military treats you, uh, is is treated. Um, What else about Tokyo? I've never traveled to Asia, so I'm dying to know. Um, Europe has always been cheaper, (laughs) and I've always had excuses. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And excuses to go to Europe. and then I went to Morocco last year and I want to go to Kenya to see my friend. But yeah, there's so many great places and I, I definitely want to see Asia. So is it like neon lights everywhere in Tokyo, like in the movies or? Oh yeah. 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 So I've never wanted to travel to that part of the world. I mean, if the opportunity presented itself, of course I'll take it, but it's never been on my list. Like my top 10, I want to be there. Um, and I'm, called me and said, Hey, I'm going to get some leave this coming Friday. If I send you a plane ticket, can you meet me in Okinawa? So of course I'm going to say, yes, I'm not going to pass that opportunity. Um, so I kind of talked to my boss and three days later I was on a plane to, uh, Okinawa and it is a hike. Uh, obviously it's on the other side of the world, but took a sleeping pill, slept from, Baltimore to Chicago, Chicago to Tokyo, Tokyo to Okinawa. Um, When I landed in Okinawa, it was nighttime. So Adam was like ready to go to bed. And I was like, I just slept for 26 hours. I can't go. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the thing I didn't know is Okinawa is really far from Tokyo. So I was thinking, okay, my last leg of this trip, it's going to be like an hour flight. And I I want to say it was like a two and a half, three hour flight from Okinawa to, or from Tokyo to Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the middle of nowhere. And, but. 
Jeez, uh, I'm looking at a map right now, and that's crazy. I had, I was like, yeah, it must be what two hours away on the same island. Yeah, no, it's so far. But Okinawa is pretty cool. You know, it's an island, so it's island living. Um, one highway takes forever to get anywhere because there's not the crazy infrastructure. Um, but beautiful beaches, a lot to do. The little downtown area, it's pretty cool. Uh, mm. yeah, yeah. That is so far. Look at that. Yeah, that's a really long way away. I'm so bad at. I'm good at geography and summaries of the world, but I it, like North Korea is close by, and it's a dense area with a lot of weird shit happening. And oh yeah, I mean, that sounds fascinating. Yeah, but you know what, Okinawa, I love their culture. Their food is amazing. They have like the longest living human beings in the world. You just have all these Okinawans like living to 110 and working and just living real healthy and happy. Mm-hmm. Um, That's cool. Yeah, but Tokyo is crazy. So, you know, you travel to different places in Europe and you get off the plane. You're like, oh, well, this looks kind of familiar. I remember mm-hmm. I went to Paris uh, when I was seven and I was expecting this crazy trip and I landed and I specifically remember saying to my mom, this looks exactly like home. And come to find out the guy who, you know, was involved in designing the layout and the buildings in Georgetown mm-hmm. also had a huge influence in Paris. So it did look like home, right? It was like very familiar. Other than the language, like you could get by, you can figure it out. You land in Tokyo, you're on another planet. You don't recognize <laughs> anything. Like no signs. No, it's just, it's insane. Oh, uh, that's so cool. Yeah, I'm looking at some pictures now and that sounds great. The the exhilaration and, and the adrenaline you get just from going to an unfamiliar place is, is great. And so to be that unfamiliar sounds great. Yeah, you have to when you're when you're just traveling to a place like this, you have to just let everything go. Like wherever the wind blows you, you gotta okay, let's do it. So anyway, so I'm in Okinawa. I got there, you know, Adam sends me a plane ticket. I'm there three days later. And we're in Okinawa for a week. And Adam had not traveled um any of Japan. So we were on the computer. I was like, let's go back to Tokyo since we had the second week. So the next day we hopped on a flight to Tokyo and we had no idea what we were doing. We only had a couple of days. I think we were there for four days. Um, so we just Googled top 10 things to do in Tokyo and printed it. And then we had that to nav us when we landed in Tokyo. Cause like we didn't have phones, we didn't have internet. We don't have anything like that. Uh, and we just try to hit every single thing on that list and whatever came up, whoever we like ran into, we just went with it. Uh, it was definitely the best way to do Tokyo but really, really friendly people, all so proud of their country. They're all like, every person we ran into, they didn't speak like the language very well, but they wanted to practice their English. So they wanted to try to talk to you. And it wasn't like, oh, let me, um, you know, you're trying to figure out where to go. And instead of them giving you directions, they would be like, I'll take you. So instead of like being told where to go and kind of what to see, we would just get these like we would become all of a sudden accompanied by random Japanese people um one day we found out there was a sumo wrestling tournament going on so we were like all right let's go check that out and we're on this train trying to get there and one of the this little um woman comes up to us and she's like where are you trying to go where are you trying to go and we said the sumo wrestling tournament instead of telling us how to get there she just takes us so she ends up (laughs) spending the entire afternoon with us at this sumo tournament 
hanging out with us, sitting with us, trying to explain what was going on. But she How really, old was this person? Her 30s. She was younger. Cool. Um, but that was our whole experience. You know, everyone just wanted to, oh, and then what they knew how to say in English was enjoy Tokyo. Like they were so proud of their country. <laughs> enjoy Tokyo, enjoy Tokyo. You know, we were, we got stuck at, um, we were the main street in Tokyo. I think it was called um, Hababachi Street. It's like where all of the chefs buy their um, tools, their knives, anything kitchen related. Mm. And so we're like walking into stores and this storm came through. I'm like, oh shit, because it was raining so bad. And the owner of a store came, came up to us and hands us an umbrella. And he's like, go, go, enjoy Tokyo. And we're like, well, okay. Everyone was just very nice. It made me feel like shit because, you know, in D.C., oh, yeah, there it is with that big guy's face in the front of the street on the left. That's the uh, start of the street. Yeah. So being in D.C. Cool. If yeah, a, looks crazy. If a tourist comes up to me and, like, is like, I'm lost. I'm like, fuck off. I'm late to my meeting. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, totally. So coming back from Tokyo, I was like, oh, I'm motivated to like show people around and tell them what to do. Yeah, right. Um, was Did you meet other travelers while there? Yeah. Or run into um, them? We were the only Americans that we ran into the entire time we were in Tokyo, uh, mm-hmm. which was kind of cool because anytime like I'd wander off, I would be able to find Adam in a heartbeat and like a sea of people the same height with black hair. Um <laughs> But, yeah, totally. But yeah, we ran into some people traveling. They were couch surfing. And at the time, I was like, I don't know. I don't understand what that is. Um, but they <laughs> they ended up hanging out with us a little bit. We ran into yeah, a yeah. guy. Uh, we were out drinking, getting drunk, whatever. And then stumbling back at our hotel, we heard this little hut and music coming from it. So we walked up to it and it was this karaoke bar. And so we went in and everyone was singing Beatles and like, you could understand um, every song that they were trying to sing, you know, which is weird. It's, you're in Japan. Yeah. All you want to do is sing karaoke to English <laughs> American songs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they don't like go to sleep either, which is kind of weird. <laughs> that is weird. It's a weird huh. culture. They, well, you know, they have like their work day and then in the middle of the work day, they go home take a nap, eat, and then go back to work. Um, really common for people to leave work, go to the bars, get shit-faced, and then sleep on the street. So you're, like, walking <laughs> at night, and you're stepping over businessmen in full suits, just passed out on the sidewalk <laughs> with their briefcase, and no one bothers them. Like, you don't have to worry about people stealing from you or anything. It's just normal. <laughs> My God, I had no idea, and that's so funny. What a great thing to, to learn about another culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, drinking like... businessmen. Yeah, yeah. You can just drink all the time. Well, there's, like, their population is dwindling. So, like, that's just so weird. That's a very interesting culture overall. And so how is the sumo wrestling? I don't understand how, what it is. I couldn't figure it out. The whole time, I was like, what is going on? I don't get this. <laughs> it would just you would think like two guys were about to wrestle or whatever and they would just stop. And then some guy would come over and sweep. 
And then the guys would walk up again and like act like they were going to go and go down into that pose. But then they would stand up and like walk around a little bit. And the guy would come back out and sweep and be like, Jesus, when are they going to actually wrestle? It was almost our sport. I don't, I, have, I still don't get it. Wow. Yeah. I've never seen it really. I've only, I've only known the wrestler Yokozuma, I think his name was the WWF guy. So I never seen real um, sumo action. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, we were leaving and um, four sumo wrestlers came out. He tried to fit into one cab and Adam thought it was mm-hmm. so funny. So he went over to try to take a picture of them and they got real offended. But now we have this picture of four sumo wrestlers in one cab. I think it was worth it. That, yeah, that's that is worth it. And very sounds like a very memeable uh picture. Were people oh, yeah. like I wish you could see all the pictures. And, yeah, that's amazing. I would like to. Um next time I'm there, I'll I'll check them out. Um were people like eating and drinking uh during this sumo contest? Is it like a US sporting event? Yeah. There's stuff in their faces. That's cool. That yeah. makes sense. I feel like isn't eating like a huge part of Japanese culture, like you stuff in your face, particularly. You know what's real weird? So mm-hmm. one sumo wrestler gets up to the plate. I don't know what do you call it, and he was white, <laughs> only white guy. Okay. Yeah. And white, <laughs> white people, their bodies are just not the same. Like they don't get the same yeah. fatness, right? This guy was like tall and skinny. I'm like, what are you doing? It's it's kind of strange looking. He just couldn't get yeah, he couldn't that is, the same fat. He just couldn't do it. Yeah, I am. Like you mean? Yeah, you, they um, they definitely have a particular particular body type. That's all. And so I'm picture like, are you taller than most Asian people? Like, I don't know how tall you are. Like, did you stick out being a a blonde woman in Tokyo? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I felt like we were famous everywhere we were walking. People just stared at us. Yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. Well, that you guys do kind of look famous. Like, Adam could be like a superhero, and you could you could be like a Kate Hudson type. Totally. Oh, thanks. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. I like these compliments. That's hilarious. Um, well, in in if you went to like Amsterdam, where I'm going this year, you would you would fit in pretty. Actually, Adam wouldn't because the dudes there are like super tall and slender and blonde. Like the average height there is like six foot one. Yeah, um, he's it's just short. so funny how people come in like all shapes and sizes. I know. Yeah. But it's uh, also really quiet, which is kind of weird because, you know, it's a crazy city with all these flashing lights and a ton of people. And mm-hmm. you would think it would be so loud, like New York, but it's, yeah. you can hear a pin drop. No one yells, no one honks their horn. It's not loud at all. We were in a McDonald's at one point and it was business hour. You know, it's business. Mm-hmm. tire people out it's the middle of the week and it's super crowded and you could hear a pin drop it's huh. like no yeah. one it's very quiet that's so interesting um so there are two things that are different about morocco right off the bat from tokyo well many things it's much less developed but morocco is like super loud there's like motor like like little mopeds uh, spewing up dust and people are yelling and um, there's all sorts of like commotion going on, which is crazy. And also, you look different than everybody else. You st- I stuck out like a sore thumb with my like short sleeve plaid button down that's like tucked in. <laughs> I really 
I, I fit in in Spain, but stuck out like a sore thumb in Morocco. But it's not like in a good way because people are harassing us and saying like, no, this way's closed. You have to go that way. And they're trying to get you like to their uncle's fucking shop to like rip you off. And they're like trying to get you to pet some gross monkey with a diaper. That's real sad. And um, it's just like really harassing. Like it's, it's nonstop to me. I get like a fight or flight response being from New York when I'm like approached in that weird harassing manner because they're smiling still. It's bizarre but unique and, and worth the trip nonetheless. So, yeah. Did anyone say cheaper than Walmart? Um, no, but it definitely was. I mean, it was cheap as fuck, but some of the quality was really bad. So yeah, that's some of the things that people would like yell, yell out to us when we, they wanted us to buy their stupid shit. It's, it's cheaper than Walmart, cheaper than Walmart. I'm like, what, what do you know about Walmart? Yeah. 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 Right. Um, yeah, we went to like the first mall in, uh, that was ever in Morocco and it was built like five years ago. Um, that was cool. People love that place. And I tried on, on one of the markets, like in the street in Morocco, I, I, I was like, let me try these beets that were clearly bootleg. And I take mm-hmm. them out. And instead of a B for beets by Dre, it was a D, like a lowercase D. Um, they were real. They didn't even work. We, I plugged them in. They didn't work right off the bat. So you bought them. Um, no, we well, well, I took a picture of the back label, which had a ton of like spelling errors and grammar errors. It was like really funny. Um, it was like top quality beats you like, uh, 100% authentic, now buy. And like things like that. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, this is great. Why so, do you guys choose Morocco? Um, we went to, first we chose because it was Eva's turn to choose. Um, last year we went to Prague and the year before we went to Prague and Budapest. Um, and so her friend was 55 and retired and bought a house in Spain on the Mediterranean. So we flew into Barcelona and did that in Valencia and did some small towns around her friend's house and hung out at her friend's house, which was cool. But we, we have both been to Europe so many times. I've been to, I think 16 countries in Europe or 15. Um, so we wanted to go to another continent and Morocco is really close and a lot of people pair those two countries together. So we went and it's like the easiest, they say it's a really poor country, uh, but it's, they're super friendly and there's not a lot of violent crime. Um, and it's, it's a way for you to like, quote unquote, rough it and experience some like really rugged lifestyle and, and, and social life, but it's not dangerous. So like Dutch people were there with their kids and families and, and um, just kind of like semi-adventurous people like us. So it was, it was cool. Yeah. What about Cuba? We just went to Cuba. Oh, that's right. I would love to go to Cuba. Um, how, was, how many days were you there for? And what was like the flight? Did you have to buy anything or do anything special with the tickets? Or can you just go in and out freely? Uh, well, we went during that weird opened window before things changed again. Um, so we were able to just buy a flight or ticket. Uh, awesome. Yeah, we flew. You had to fly out of Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. So we had to fly down to Fort Lauderdale and then fly from there into Havana. Um, so that's wow. what we did. We stayed with a local, which was pretty cool. How did you? How did you book the that arrangement? Uh, online cool like airbnb or yeah 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 um but 
Yeah. So we were like messaging with our host, I guess you'd call them, um, before we made the trip and we were like, do you need anything? Like, are we supposed to bring something for you, a gift? And he said he wanted this power tool. And, uh, yeah, so we tracked down this power tool at a Home Depot. I can't even remember what it was. It was some type of drill. Uh Uh-huh. And, uh, but it was huge and it was really heavy. And so I immediately regretted asking. Cause I'm like, how are we going to get this there? Uh, but we did. And, um, he was really appreciative. The first day we got there, we, uh, heard him using that the rest of the time. Um, so you could like hear it throughout the house. We're like, Oh, he really loves this power tool. Yes. Wow. There you that's go. Good, what a good deal for you. But that sounds like a pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Havana is pretty cool. But like we were saying, it's the culture is really neat. You almost feel unsafe, but it's really safe. So it's kind of, you have to like get used to it. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first land, you're like, this isn't normal. I should probably be a little bit nervous. I shouldn't walk down the street, but it's very safe. You don't really have to worry about anything. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, when you land, when you land at the airport, do you guys research like how to get to the place before you land or do you just land and figure it out from there? What's your process? We land and just figure it out. Cool. And so <laughs> did you get a cab or what was the deal? Well, this one's kind of weird because it's not like you land, you can figure it out through your phone. You don't have a phone. It's, oh, the, first shit, place, yeah. it's the first place I've been where the whole money thing was different because you don't have a credit card. So if you run out, yeah. you're just fucked because you can't call home. <laughs> you can't go to a bank. You can't transfer money. Like when you're done with money, you're done with money. And then wow. what do you do? You know? Oh my God. <laughs> so wow. that, that's the only piece that I was like in the back of my head, I was kind of nervous about the whole trip was salvaging our dollars. Uh, yeah. Mm. So no phones, no Wi-Fi, no TV, uh, no credit cards. Just wow. good old fashioned dollars. But uh, they, yeah. Wow. Okay. So was that stressful? Was that stressful? Like taking out a bunch of cash before you leave the country? Yeah. And then trying to figure out how to exchange it. Cause you're not allowed inside certain buildings. So you go to someplace like a bank of some type to exchange your dollars and you're not allowed to go inside. So then you're like talking to locals, trying to convince you, convince the locals to take your money to go in and exchange it and then trust them to come back out with exchange money. It's very strange. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. That is, wow. What a unique development. <laughs> um, okay. So I know the cars are old cause they have to be, are the insides of the cabs that you took, were they in good shape? Random question. Yes. They changed and update every single car using Japanese parts. So the outside of the car looks like an old American 50s car, but the inside is all gutted and redesigned and running on new engines and that type of thing. And everything's coming from Japan. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. Um, we're, so so I don't know. I'm pretty, you, I, I'm pretty stupid yeah. and ignorant when it comes to that stuff. And I, I need to learn more, but I was there thinking, Oh, well, they haven't had connection to the outside world since 
you know, the fifties, but really they've had a ton of connection from the outside world, just not us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So they do have yeah, stuff and every, you know, they have like a mall and updated stores and hotels, you know, because mm-hmm. people come there all the time, just not from America. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like a remnants of the cold war, if you will is why we never went there. We just had that weird diplomatic relationship because obviously like so much stuff comes from China and China doesn't give a fuck about some old communist domino theory stuff, you know? So, and Japan, like you said, so that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Talking to people there. So we didn't run into any other Americans, but we ran into a couple people from Germany and they were telling us they hate that Americans are now there. We're like, why? They're like, because ever since Americans can start to come, the people in Cuba think that they can charge more for everything because you guys will pay it. So these people who have been coming to Cuba for vacation with their family for years and years and years can now no longer afford to because everything, all the prices have been jacked up. Um, So like the same Mm -hmm. hotels that they've always stayed at or the restaurants they used to go to now, instead of it being like you know, $6 or whatever the equivalent would be, it would be like $26. Like they've increased the pricing that much. So they were expressing a lot of frustration with the fact that now we're there. Yeah, that's um, a unique perspective. But I mean, I, I, and also I'd be interested to hear what the Cubans have to say about it. I mean, I'm sure they don't like the idea of Starbucks moving in and stuff like that, but they they should be theoretically be okay with more money. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. We were asking. You probably felt welcome there, right? I did. I felt really welcome, but you know, it was really hard to come by someone who spoke English and I don't speak Spanish. So it was, it was really hard to talk to anyone. Um, Mm -hmm. But our host, he spoke a little bit of English and we were asking him. And while we were there, he was asking, what is Trump doing? What is Trump doing? He's like, we're evoking your privilege to come here. And we had no idea what was going on because we don't have internet or TV, you know? And so he was, he was being updated quicker than us. Um, He was like, I don't understand. You like your president and all this stuff. And we were like, sorry, we don't know what's going on. Wow. That's amazing. I watched this vice, I think it was a vice video, some YouTube hipster, you know, channel like that. And they were, it it was about the Cuban network of technology that like, cause they don't have an internet. They have these one terabyte USB ports. I mean, USB uh, thumb drives that essentially like multiply and make their way around the country. And so there are dealers where like every week, like average citizens can just get like, like the full package of like dozens of new albums and, and TV shows and uh, movies and news, news clippings. It's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's like an offline, offline, online network. Yeah. Yeah. We were um, talking with these little um, locals at a corner bar And they were trying to explain to us how their grocery shopping works. So each person gets this little book in the first of the month. So every single person in the country gets this book, even if you're a baby. And then every week you can go to the grocery store and they, the local official who's at the grocery store 
um, signs off what you got from the grocery store. And then once you have it, you can't get it again. So like every week there are a lot of like six eggs, let's say. So you go to the grocery store, they stamp, you got your six eggs. And then when it's gone, it's gone. So, and then they showed us their books full of all the stamps mm. and it's for all of their groceries. So if like by Friday you already finished your eggs, you're just shit out of luck. Mm. You have to wait until Monday wow. when you're allowed to go get more eggs. It's really controlled. Mm. Is there a black market then? Or do people just not get more than what they're allotted? People just don't get more. Wow. Okay. This would be the sociologist in me is like, this is perfect for, uh, it's an unfortunate scenario, but you can conduct like tons of research, um, like nutritional research. Um, Cause not everyone, I'm sure there are still fat people and be interesting to know why, right? Like not everyone's the same size there or is everyone skinny there? Um, I'm trying to remember if I saw a fat person and I don't remember seeing a fat person. No. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. And mental health is taken really seriously. So if anyone's showing signs of like mental issues, um, they're picked up and brought to a hospital. So you don't have like crazies walking around, if you will. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what they do with those people. Right. <laughs> but they're not on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always heard that like cab drivers or doctors or doctors or cab drivers there. And I, I'm always curious about the healthcare system and the, the economy. And I've no, I know nothing about it, you know, so this is all new to me. Yeah. I, I don't either. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't learn too much on the trip just because communication was really hard. I need right. to learn how to speak another language. I just have so much trouble with English. I'm like, I'm not ready to move on to the next. Yeah. I'm like getting worse at English. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when I was in Spain, I really wanted to learn Spanish. It's it seems like ooh, so much fun to speak a few sentences, but I yeah, don't. I feel yeah. like I would be really good at that when I've been drinking. Oh, look at this picture. <laughs> yes, yeah, some beautiful pictures of Havana. Do you do you guys? So even I don't drink. Um, do you guys drink when on vacation? And is it like weird getting hammered in like a a strange foreign place? Yeah, we didn't drink a sip of alcohol when we were in Havana, mm-hmm. which is, it was strange for us, but uh, I don't know. I just didn't feel relaxed at all. And I have to, I, if I'm going to drink and like let control leave, um, I have to be like real comfortable. I have to know how I'm getting home and like who's paying for what <laughs> or whatever it may be. But you, you didn't have any of that there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, water, cool. water was really scarce. It was very hard to come by a bottle of water. Uh, so being hung over in toilet paper, toilet paper was scarce. Yeah. Yeah. So I kept thinking we could go out and drink, but I don't know how I'm going to handle myself tomorrow. If like, I don't have toilet paper or a bottle of water to cure my hangover. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, those are problems you don't think about until like you're you're in another country. The toilet yeah. paper. And it didn't that's drop a problem below, in Morocco too. It didn't drop below ninety five degrees when we were there. So uh, wait, what wait, that's crazy. Yeah. And we don't have air conditioning. <laughs> wow. Some places have air conditioning, the government controlled ones. Mm. But yeah, so you're gonna be hot. 
and dehydrated and yeah, it just didn't seem fun to do. <laughs> so we didn't, and you know, when I go out to bars and I start drinking, I just, I keep drinking and I run up my bar tab and I'm like, how much was that? I don't care. Put it on the credit card, deal with it tomorrow. You can't do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I, I remember, I mean, I've been to Europe and like have gotten pretty drunk, but it's never, it was never like out of control. It was always, and Europe is so familiar. So you have yeah. none of the, pro, not nearly as the complications that you have in Cuba, like not having ATMs and stuff. Well, so how, what do you guys do? How do you go about landing? Do you bring weed with you? Are you allowed to do that? Um, no. So I, um, I usually don't, um, I'll usually bring CBD with me, which is legal. And so I have like my vape pen of CBD and people say it doesn't get them high, but it gets me pretty high. So I'll like bring that with me. Um, but in Amsterdam, I like buy it. Um, I've, bought weed in various countries so <laughs> it seems to find me but I don't really like smoking weed I really just like the vaporizer pen and um, nowadays yeah the CBD without the THC which is the illegal stuff like the CBD is enough for me so I bring that and it's yeah that's good. good I always wonder you know my friends who are need to have their weed yeah. or whatever their vice may be how do you land in another country and you don't speak the language and track down a joint um i don't know it seems to find me if you look like a tourist i guess sometimes but i've like if you go to the park like i've been to parks in germany and um in belgium and in italy and in spain yeah i've been in parks where you just walk around and people are like you either smell it or people are asking if you want to buy some, but I'll just see people smoking joints and I'll be like, Hey, where'd you get that? And they'll be like that guy over there. And it's like a group of like African dudes or Turkish dudes or whatever. And they're usually like really nice. And it's like the park where they sell weed. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. But when I land with my vaporizer pen, like it's CBD, it could easily be THC. They don't stop me. They don't ask like nobody, Nobody cares. Like everyone thinks it's an e-cigarette. Um, but if I was bring, I wouldn't bring like fucking weed with me. That'd be weird. <laughs> um, so those, yeah. those rules. Yeah, totally. Um, it's funny when we go like to Morocco or when we leave Morocco to go to Spain, like we sometimes the, 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 um, the border people, whatever the customs people will like grill us and ask us a bunch of questions. And Eva and I will like just talk their head off. We'll be like, well, we were here and then we were here and we rented a car and we went here and have you ever been here? It was awesome. And like, we stayed with our friend and we just like talk their ear off and they're like, okay, can you move it through? <laughs> Cause they're, they're looking for, I guess, suspicious activity and we're just chatty. So. You're just high. I guess so. Well, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. The CBD really does get me high. I, I put it under the tongue with my dropper. I do uh I do my vape pen, so. Adam's talking about how much it helps with his joints and ligaments and stuff when he's in the gym. Oh, I didn't know you His took new that. thing to do is take some CBD oil and then jump on an air dime. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I, I take it every morning. Um, and then, yeah, apparently it is really good for inflammation, so. Um, but yeah, I, I, do, I do love it. 
Um, so we're talking about travel and I'm wondering like, have you, have you thought about like, since you're a new mother, you have a family now, have you thought like, oh, well, it's going to be X number of years before I go to Cuba or Tokyo or somewhere like that again. Have you thought about that at all? No. <laughs> so we want to travel just as much. Um, I don't think because she's little that will hinder our traveling. I the only thing that's going to affect it is finances. Yeah. Totally. No, I'm like, I, I can't imagine jumping on a flight that's longer than three hours and not having that extra seat for her. Like a child sitting on your lap for three hours just seems miserable. Mm -hmm. So then you're buying a whole other plane ticket. Yeah. Um, but that's a good perspective that like, it doesn't have to hinder your, my sister is like, no, how could they possibly go on a plane? My, my, my nephews are like six years old. And I'm like, they could, Eva was on dozens of flights by the time she was six, which I find interesting because I hadn't been on a plane at that time. But yeah, you could, you could totally travel with kids. Um, so, well, that's cool. And, and I think it's such a good experience for kids to like experience, uh, you know, get that other social perspective. Yeah. I think the more that you do with your kids when they're super young, the you know, the more normal it will be. Like when you see kids at a restaurant and they're going crazy, it's because they've probably been to a restaurant twice and they have no idea how to act. So yeah. we make her experience as much as possible so that it's just normal. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Good idea. <laughs> I remember uh, going to Paris when I was seven with my mom and oh, wow. like changing my life, you know, the whole experience of, being on a plane for that long and being in another country and not being able to talk to anyone and the food. And I was seven and I remember so much of it. Mm -hmm. Why did your mom bring you to Paris? What was the premise? She, well, each kid in my family, when you were seven, I don't know why they picked seven. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you were allowed to pick a place and my parents either my mom would go or my dad would go and it was like a big thing when you turn seven you get to go on a big trip um uh, so I picked Paris I have no idea why I was seven uh, well that's like a major city in the world so that's a good choice yeah it's pretty cool but yeah that's so amazing. I mean I don't know I think you know it's just finding the balance but mm. I would love to be able to take her everywhere if if money was not an issue, we would travel all over with her. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear you. That is, it's, it's, it's great that we live today where you can travel anywhere. Um, because a hundred years ago, obviously like, people didn't leave their town, but yeah, there's, there's a financial component. So you can't do everything. Yeah. Which sucks. Uh, <laughs> Man, these are so cool. Yes. Yeah, Paris is great. Well, I've never been to Paris. I've been to Brussels where they speak French. And I might go to Paris in May when I'm in Brussels again. Uh, why are you going to the same places more than once? Um, Eva's never been to either of these places. And essentially, it's round trip tickets for 330 bucks from Denver. So nonstop. Got it. So it's just like the cheapest. And we we are also going to go to either London. Luxembourg or store London and I've never been there so it'll be a chance to see something else yeah um also after and it's going to be cheap like it's it's 13 days but like we've worked it out where it won't be too much money um but after going to Morocco a place where I felt kind of like unwelcomed if you will like people loved my money but they didn't really care about me 
um, just the people were different than so different. Um, going to like Amsterdam, the Dutch people are by far my favorite. So I'm really, I feel so at home there. Um, so I'm excited to go back. Do you know anyone who has booked a trip through one of these like living social or Groupon escapes? I've never done that, no. I know, I haven't either. And I don't know anyone that has. But you see them like these deals flash up and it's like $900, 12 days in China, including your airfare. And you're like, mm-hmm. I want to try this. I just want to hit yes. But I yeah, want to know really someone who's done that. Is it... Mm-hmm. Like what, where are you staying? Yeah, it's probably, it's, it, it could be sketchy. Um, and anytime you're on a group, I'm sure like some of the stuff you're not going to love, but at the end it'll, it'll, you'll say it was worth it and it was a fun experience, but I don't know. I'm too, I'm too like anxious. I'm too, I'm too OCD and obsessive to like do anything like that. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about group travel? Um, I love it. Well, if it's my friends, like I'm, I have been asking a bunch of my friends if they want to go to Europe, but my friends are flaky and non-committal, so they probably won't go. But, um, I think as I get older, I'd be cool with like a package, you know, like, like a tour. Um, is that what you're talking about? A tour or going with friends? Yeah. Like going with 12 other people you've never met. It sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> That does sound weird. Eve, that sounds like Eva's worst nightmare too. I don't know if I'd love that. It sounds like forced fun. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm at this point where like, I really don't want to hang out with people. Yeah. We just moved to Apex and mm-hmm. our neighbors are really friendly. Oh and, yeah. Uh, I keep being like, Adam, when are they going to get the hint that like, we're not friendly? <laughs> <laughs> Um, like how many times do they need to invite us over for a drink where like they just stop inviting us they're real wow. nice they're really really nice and I sh- and I should I just don't want to <laughs> this is another person um, that I need to like, yeah. call and check in and oh small talk with I really don't care what you do for a living <laughs> that is a, a different culture I feel like I'm not familiar with that you know you like talking to your neighbors no, I, I'm I'm fine with it, but I've never had neighbors like be so forthcoming, you know. Oh, really? Well, living in Denver, people are nice, but but yeah, no one's really going to be that. I, I live in the city, not in the suburbs, so. Well, um, so you bought your house, you bought your condo. Did mm-hmm. people come over and like welcome you? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like you see people in the hallway, and they ask like, "Oh, are you new?" And you say, "You have." basic talk and you forget about them immediately and you don't invite them so it's different yeah see I like that so people are coming people were coming to your door yeah yeah so we like we move in all these people are showing up like welcoming us I'm like what the fuck where (laughs) are we yeah do they do they ask you like what church you go to No, but there are a lot of church going people here. <laughs> I mean, I bet. Yeah, it's a major part of people's lives uh, in a lot of places. So Yeah, we're at this outdoor mall just today and we're walking around and we're like, where is everyone? We there's like two other people and it's this outdoor mall. Mm-hmm. And I said something to this woman at a bookstore. I'm like, Man, you guys are really empty right now. And she's like, Oh honey, it's not till everyone gets out of church. I was like, Okay. 
Sorry. Oh, wow. Are you judging me because I'm not in church? Right. You passed by like the, the Jewish couple that lives there. That was the only other two people there. Yeah, probably. Do you guys, you guys go to church? Does your family, do you grow up going to church? Yes. So I, I grew up in a strong Catholic family. We went to church every Sunday. My dad was an altar boy. Uh, I've never asked if he had issues with the priest. Is that inappropriate? Do you think I could ask my dad that? Sure you can. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that, yeah, it's, it's, uh. Just like at Thanksgiving dinner this year. Dad, the priest upset you? Clank. You hear the clank, clank of the, the dishes. Everyone stops talking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so dad grew up small coal mining town population, probably like 400. Mm. Altar boy. <clears throat> uh, so Is this in Virginia or Pennsylvania? What state? Pennsylvania. Mm. Yeah. But he is now, he, yeah, he does not believe in any of it. Uh, Mm -hmm. which is, so he grew up, you know, that way and let it all go. So when I was growing up and we'd go to church every Sunday, it was my mom and my brothers. My dad didn't go. Uh, he was like, Mm -hmm. well, I went to church enough already. It's like, okay. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and so did you go through, so like, it was through high school you went to church like every Sunday with your family? Every Sunday until I got to college. And then at college, it was like, no more, right? Yeah, I'm done with this. Okay. Yeah, it's actually, you know, it's something that it comes up in different points of your life, right? So when you're a kid, you have to do what your parents say. And then you're going through college or whatever transition, you get to make that decision on your own. And then you get married, it kind of comes up again. How are we going to get married? Is it in our church? What do you believe in, right? But the worst is when kids get involved. Because mm-hmm. then it kind of becomes a serious conversation. Like, how are we going to raise this kid? What are we going to talk about? How are we going to answer these questions? Mm-hmm. So, how are you? <laughs> we haven't agreed. <laughs> so, I'll let you know when they come up. That's Adam important. has this, yeah. like, harsh view of, well, we're just going to tell her the truth. I'm like, how are you going to look at a little three-year-old in the face and tell her the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, I'm going to tell her when you die, you die. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that will be great. And then when she starts crying and she, this little girl is crying to you, I'm pretty sure you're not going to be able to just say what you want to say. So we'll yeah. see what goes over. Well, there's different, there's different levels of truth and kinds of truth, which sounds like I'm about to tell a lie to a small child. But, you know, there's, there's different ways to tell them things. You don't have to tell them that life is meaningless and everyone turns to dust. Yeah. It may be one of those things that we'll just go ping-ponging and go ask your dad. Go ask your mom. <laughs> we'll never answer the question. Oh, my God. I'd be happy to, um, to, to tell them what's what. <laughs> okay. I'll be sure to send her your way when that starts happening. Eva has this great th- um, thing. Well, a couple, one of her friends and one of her family members they would they raise their kids where like they cycle through every religion so like for a year or so they're like jewish and then next year they're muslim and next year they're christian that sounds like so much work it's a lot of fucking work but they they do it as a hobby and as like a way to show like everybody has their own interpretation of like what life is and what death is 
and everybody has rituals. I think it's the best way to show a child that it's all bullshit rather than just telling them. Because I think once you see all the rituals, you see the similarities and like you see that humans have a moral compass inside of them and there are good things to do in the world and you don't need a magic paternal father figure that impregnates a 12 year old, which by the way, Mary was, I'm getting into my own biases now. Yeah. But see, like, where do you draw the line? Like what religions do you cut out? Um, I guess you start with the major ones and then you, you, you get a little deeper. <laughs> so you go through all of them. You're like all hail. Okay. Sorry. My phone keeps going off. Um, no, you're good. I, I, th- I would think you start with the major ones. Um, like Christianity and, and, and the, the Judeo-Christian ones, like Judaism and, and Islam, and then you go to Hinduism and Buddhism. And then from there, you can go to like weirder ones. Weirder. Weirder. But yeah, they're all human creations, you know? I mean, I practice Buddhism and study it, but uh, it's, it's just like a way of looking at the world and it's not, it's not the be-all, end-all. And that part Buddhist philosophy teaches that its its own teachings are not the ultimate truth they're only words that humans made to try and describe things that are indescribable anyway yeah i think that's pretty cool i don't know if i have the patience for it the going through all the religions right um well i i mean i think it's weird like i have tons of family members who are religious and um, my cousin is now like bringing her her young child to church, and I'm like, ah, there's tons of good things about Christianity. Um, I'm really not for. I think it's misogynistic and chauvinistic, and the fact that God is always a he and him and the Father, and uh, it's just a weird. There's like, and there's no no good stories about women in the Bible. I don't know if you realize it's like women are meant to be like wives and mothers, and that's it, and like silent. Um, so obviously I'm jaded about it. So I, t- I look at all the negative parts of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess so you ha- if you're going to go through all the religions, you would do that. You would talk about all the positives. You talk about all the negatives. I mm-hmm. think it would be a really good learning experience for me because I don't know anything about any other religions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could learn, learn with the child. And if, the, if your kid learns another language, um, you could learn that with, with them too. I know parents who have done that. Yeah. If you want to learn Spanish. <laughs> There's, you're putting a lot of homework here. That is, that is a lot. Learning another language, learning all their religions. Right. You need to keep them alive. You just need to keep her alive and not crying at this point. Yeah. I'm having a hard enough time remembering to feed her five times a day. <laughs> yeah. What's that like taking care of another human? It's pretty stressful. <laughs> it's like little stressors. Like, I swear, I stress about how many times did we feed her today? Because we're supposed to be feeding her five times. She's down to five times a day. Mm-hmm. And every day at like 8 p.m., I'm like, damn it, I don't remember. <laughs> what meal right. is this? Yeah, that's hard to keep track of. All the little things. Yeah, all the little things. Um, when you were pregnant, did your food preferences change? Ugh, uh, yeah, just a little. I couldn't eat meat and I'm a meatitarian. Mm. So that was hard to get used to. Yeah. Um, yeah, just meat. I couldn't stand like the sight or smell or taste, but that all went away. Mm. Oh, like instantly or. Yeah. So I feel 
food, everything changed for the first like six months of pregnancy. And then after six months, it all kind of like went away. Weird. Did you have morning sickness and, and swelling feet or whatever? I threw up every day for 18 weeks. Oh my God. Um, yeah, I lost weight in the beginning. So that was really fun. Uh, threw up everywhere, all over Fairfax County, um, on the DC Metro, walking mm. in the Metro, in my office. Oh my God. Yeah. You are a everywhere. Wow. It was really good. Uh, it's very, very inspiring if I'm ever feeling um, crappy to know that I, I never have gone through that. So that's incredible. Yeah. I hated every part of it. Mm-hmm. I hated everything about being pregnant and having a baby, um, mm-hmm. which is great. But, you know, you see everyone on Instagram posting and it's so beautiful and motherhood and your body's changing and it's amazing. And I'm like, I don't get this. I don't get why people want to do this. Yeah. That reminds me, I was reading an article about how your online self is like your best self because you're curating your life and and showing what you want to show. And it's like, it can be depressing because you look at other people and all you see is like the awesome shit they're doing and like their accomplishments um, and them looking perfect. So it's a distorted view, you know, it's because it's a new social paradigm being online versus in person so that's that's a shitty shitty experience sometimes yeah 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 i really wanted to post pictures of myself throwing up and saying it's beautiful Mm -hmm. um but i just i refrain from posting at all yeah it's um my my cousin just had a full hysterectomy um for endometriosis um and she's in a support group on like a chat a group chat sort of thing and she they share pictures of like what they look like every day post-surgery and um no no there's all sorts of of different interesting things they do for each other and it's like a really safe space for them to like look like shit like talk about how awful things are and she says it can be a downer sometimes but it's it's nice to have like a space to do that because you can't just like post it on facebook yeah that's awesome yeah i thought it was a nice outlet we need to create that for moms (laughs) It's okay, already I, out there actually. I just didn't find it. Is it uh, is it out there? Do you know? I don't know. Well, I there's a new segment I want to start on the show called New Inventions or Business Ideas. We we need a better title, but I think <laughs> that if this isn't a thing already, yeah, like some online platform like a a a dating app sort of thing, but for moms like for for support. I don't know if they have that. I'm sure they have something like that out there, but just like a platform that you could go and post your horrific stories. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And pictures. Um, Yeah, I guess people would use like Reddit or something, but I'm sure there is. Yeah, like you said, like a developed kind of app or community. That was the other thing that I learned through having a baby because I just don't post, you know? So I didn't post, oh, I'm having a baby or it's a girl or when she arrived. I don't even think I posted a picture of her Mm -hmm. and people get really offended when you don't tell them things. (laughs) We like run into people and you know, I'm showing that I'm pregnant and they'd be like, Oh my God, I didn't know you were pregnant. Why don't you tell me and get so offended? It's like, well, I haven't talked to you in a year. Oh my God. 
think to tell you, and I didn't shout it from the rooftop or through the internet. So doing this old fashioned way, it's nothing personal, but Mm -hmm. people take things real personal. Wow. That is something I never, I've never had to think of. There's so many layers to, to being a woman and being a mother that you just, it's like traveling. It's like I'm visiting another country right now. Did you like, did you read books about pregnancy or motherhood? Was that a thing? No. Yeah. No, we didn't even take a class. We were like, eh, you have been doing this since the start of humans. And I think Mm -hmm. like, we'll just figure this out. Right. You're both humans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, We didn't read a book. We didn't know. We're like, we'll just figure this out how, as we go. Were people constantly giving you unsolicited advice? Yeah. I think my least favorite thing through the entire process was people just automatically thinking it was okay to talk to me and touch me. Oh, Uh, no. So especially in like the working portion of it, you know, so being in at work and in a suit or whatever, (laughs) getting on an elevator and having some old guy come in the elevator and touch my stomach. It's like, ugh, disgusting. Yeah, Yeah, of course it was an old dude. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who has no idea like what year it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just anytime you would leave the house, you wouldn't be able to get back home without someone saying, Oh, how far along are you? Oh, when are you due? And it's like, I didn't ask you about your broken nose, you know, like (laughs) walking. Yeah. That is intrusive. Yeah. Like, Oh, how, how'd you get your ass so sculpted? (laughs) Don't get me. I'd love to walk up to dudes and be like, dude, your workout regimen must be on point. Like that's just a weird, there's certain things like that. I don't know you. Like, yeah, ask me what time it, okay it is. Ask, why is it okay to ask about a pregnancy, but not anything else? Just like walking well, through the grocery store, everyone wants to talk to you and ask you questions. Like, why? Why is it okay to ask me about something that's like the most personal thing I will go through? Well, you know, I have to be the the bleeding heart liberal, but we're we we are we're encouraged to talk about women's bodies like in public and in legal circles. So. I think it's just like part of our culture. Like a pregnancy is like everybody's, you're, it's everybody's child, Taylor. <laughs> no, it's not. And it's <laughs> not everybody's body. Right. No, I know. That's the thing. People don't know what the fuck you're going through. I'm sure most of the people who, who bother you either haven't had kids or they're, they're just like having kids is their whole life. So they must think that it's your whole life as well. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, I just, it's a weird process because you can't hide it because Mm -hmm. it's shown. So when you're going something through something and it's emotional, you know, it's like you can internalize it and you can share whatever you want to share externally. When you're having a baby, everyone can see every change. So you Mm -hmm. can't hide anything. And it's really uncomfortable. It's not something I was prepared for or I thought would bother me. I was just mm-hmm. thinking, oh, yeah, you grow a human and then you have a human. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I really struggled with was having this, like, not being able to hide anything. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, 
That's a unique experience. So are you going to have another one? Is there no. Are people asking you that now? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're not early. talking about that. It's a little too early for, for that discussion. You'd have to be really crazy to be like, all right, when's number two? Yeah. I feel like I'm finally enjoying motherhood. She is six months old in I'm not breastfeeding anymore. And so like my job of creating her, I feel like is finally over a year and a half later. Mm -hmm. And so now that I have me back and my body back and my emotions are more level and I feel more comfortable again, I feel mm -hmm. that I'm finally enjoying her. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, she was a delight when I, when I, Adam and I worked out in her presence, she was a delightful little human. So, but I, I can, I can imagine the six month period being a nice breaking point. I mean, she's obviously becoming more of a human every day. So that must be nice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Something about like having to lug a breast pump to work. Mm. Is, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't love it. I was telling Adam every time I would pump, I would get really depressed. Mm. And it was like, almost like my body knew it was artificial, you know, mm. like you're doing something super artificial and he compared it to jacking off. He was like, mm -hmm. if I have sex, it's like amazing. But if I jack off, I always like have this like ugh, feeling afterwards, like it's not natural to do that. I was like, I guess you could compare those two. Sure. Yeah. As long as, as long as a baby's not drinking what he has. Uh, <laughs> But um, did you feel like any pressure at your job around being pregnant or being a mother? I mean, was there, did you feel that from anybody? No, I'm the only person in my office that's had a baby. Um, so everything was really new and you could tell people felt uncomfortable when I'm like standing in the kitchen cleaning the breast pump. Um, but everyone was really respective respectable and understanding mm -hmm. I yeah so it's okay it's just uncomfortable yeah yeah, yeah you know it, I don't think that's ever going to get comfortable no matter how much we talk about it I'm sitting in an, a meeting you know I'm the only female and I have to get up and leave because my boobs hurt so bad because I hey, need to go pump and then I go into the other room and take off my clothes and milk myself like I'm a cow it's like that's never going to be comfortable Mm -hmm. so yeah and it's uncomfortable having to say it and like talk about it and be like have to excuse yourself mm -hmm. yeah it's um like having a young child experiencing the world like having a young boy understanding like what a woman has to go through just like biologically um like things like that is important like I'm glad I grew up around women because I don't know all these details but when like so when I get a curveball thrown at me from like the female sex, I'm like, okay, like you you have all sorts of things going on that you have to manage, and yeah, yeah. I think I can tell if a, when I meet a guy or if I've been hanging out with a guy after a certain point um, if he has a female in his life, like if he grew up with sisters or not. Mm. I think guys yeah. who have grown up with a sister. Um, or like a close female cousin or something like that are so different in how they act. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could totally see that. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really thankful. Like I had like 
female like girlfriends like female friends as a child as well as male friends um can't imagine it any other way because then it became a benefit like in college i was the dude who had like chicks that were friends yeah nice. <laughs> um yeah i think wait. that's really important yeah um do you do you have do you have concerns about your daughter's future like about the world that we live in or about like what she's is it is it or do you have long-term worries about her or is it just like let's get through the next week with her sleeping and stuff you know, I don't think about long-term issues until something comes up. Mm-hmm. Like Adam and I were listening to Rogan the other day. I can't remember the guy who he had on, but he was talking about depression rates in kids and specifically females mm-hmm. and the how it's increased based upon when they're introduced to the internet and a phone. Mm-hmm. It was really interesting and I I can't like... I can't talk about the facts because I don't have them memorized, <laughs> but, uh, but the podcast was really interesting and depressing and mm-hmm. we both turned it off and, and said to each other, she will not have a cell phone until high school. Like mm-hmm. that's it. Uh, but that's not something I would have th- thought about right now. <laughs> yeah. But hearing that, you know, like when things like that pop up in conversation, you're like, Oh, I should be worried about those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, a whole nother layer that I always say whole nother and people point that out to me as a New York thing. Anyway, it's a whole other um, issue, like the technology that you have to juggle as a parent. So have fun. Yeah. Are you going to have kids? No, I never wanted kids and I love my nephews and and I could see them pretty much as often as I want. Um, I'm going to see them in about five days. So and I saw them a month ago. Um, so it's obviously so much different than being a parent, but I love like seeing people become people. I think that's so, such a great process, you know? Um, and I love like imparting what I know about the world and being ethical on the little humans, but nah, I'm good without being a parent. (laughs) (laughs) So being around people who have kids hasn't like changed that or affected that at all? Um, maybe a little bit like I've gotten so much more into small children. Like I, I, I was always like, eh, call me when they're three years old and they're like fun and to talk to and like interact with. Um, yeah. You wouldn't even hold Rhea. Uh, I'll hold her when she's like six months and can hold her own head up. See, that's right. That's I'm now down to six months. I used to be at three years. Now I'm at six. Now I under like the, the, yeah, like I said, the process of becoming human, I, I like more and more. So in that sense, I've just liked it. I've liked, I like kids more now that my friends have kids and my sister has kids, but I've always, always interacted well with, with little people. I feel like I still think like a kid and I remember what it's like to be a kid, like the insecurities and that stuff. So. But no kids. No, no kids. Interesting. What about adopting? Um, If anything, that's what we would do. Um, the carbon footprint is pretty, I think like you should replace yourself, you know, like have two kids at most and then anymore you should be adopting. That would be like the ethical thing to do. But um, no, I'm good. I, I'm a board member for um, an institute that um, provides therapy to kids who are traumatized at an early age. So I put professional efforts towards making kids' lives better. So I don't have a pull, like an urge to adopt 
I'm, I'm really narcissistic. I like being free and traveling freely. Yeah. What about yeah. just like a dog? Yeah, I would downgrade because see where on the scale of commitment I am. Um, yeah, I think we're going to get a dog because we have people in Denver that never leave and love dogs. So we can like just throw the dog at somebody's house that we trust. Um, so yeah, we probably will. We just did our first Rover um, dog sitting last night or yesterday. So we Great. dog sat. Yeah, yeah, I heard about this new app. Yeah, it was cool. We made some money for some people who dropped off their pit bull while they went to the mountains to ski. So it was fun. Are you still Uber driving? No, I only did that in DC. Um, so I haven't done that in about three and a half years since I moved to Denver. But it was fun. It was interesting. Is it worth, like, do you make money doing it? Or do you have to commit and, like, make it your job? Um, it's better as a side gig. Like, people who make it their full-time job get diminishing returns. Um, because you make more money during peak hours. And so if you're working a 40 hour week driving Uber, like there's going to be a lot of down hours. Um, and also if you, you have to take care of your own car maintenance and, and like current, like registration and stuff and insurance. So the expenses that come out, make it, turn it into like a $12 an hour job if you do full time. But if you do part-time and you time it right, you can make like 18 bucks an hour after everything's taken out. Um, maybe a little more. And then in DC, every six months, the Metro would like have some major emergency and the Uber fare would like 10 times, it would 10 X. So I could make like 200 bucks in an hour. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, I was stuck on the Metro when there was like a fire or a derailed train. Were you? Um, I was on a train that caught on fire, but it was the car in front of us. Um, so I wasn't really infected. Mm -hmm. And then I was on a train that derailed, um, going into Roslyn, which is underwater. Um, so we had to get off the train, but we were at the station. So mm -hmm. it was like, not that big of a deal. You got out of the train and you just walked in the tunnel and got out in the station. Yeah. Um, and then I was on the train when the earthquake happened, our last earthquake in DC. Mm -hmm. So yeah, real fun Metro stories. Oh my God. That's yeah. I'm always afraid of getting, getting in a major delay in like a New York city subway or something, but wow. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully like for life, that's your quota of bullshit. I on know. The metro. It is so bad. So you went from working in an office in DC to working remotely. Is that correct? Or mostly remotely? Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty remote now. I haven't been in the office since December. Mm -hmm. um, and how did that come about? Uh, well, <laughs> Adam and I were in Raleigh visiting a friend of ours. His name is Bang. Mm -hmm. And we, we're traveling around the like the outskirts, the areas around, um, and found a little town apex and mm -hmm. really liked it. So we said, let's move, went home, put our house up for rent mm -hmm. and found someone to rent it that week. Um, and so then we're like, okay, we're moving. So I went in and I talked to my boss and I said, this is the deal. 
Um, I want to give you enough notice so I can help train a replacement. And he said, why don't you just stay on and work remotely? And I was like, okay. And that was the end of the conversation. So, um, that's a power move by the way. Yeah. We could not do the DC thing anymore. It was Mm -hmm. just starting to wear on us. And, uh, we, we decided to make the move on a Sunday and Tuesday, Amazon made their big announcement. Um, so we said, that's not a sign from God. We need to get the fuck out of this area. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah. So I can't stand that area anymore. You know, I grew up there and it will always be home. Adam grew up there too. So it's kind of unique that we both grew up there. But the commute, two-hour wait to sit in a restaurant, ugh, oh. just horrible. It's terrible. Mm-hmm. It's a really tough place to live, yeah. I was thinking it's rare for somebody to have a baby and then move away from from the family or where you grew up, but you're not that far. And DC is its own animal. Like, it's a different planet. So to get a little farther away is nice. It's terrible. (laughs) Just the amount of people there. I mean, you can't leave your house during rush hour and you can't go out to dinner. It's Mm -hmm. so expensive. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, our house, my front door of the house to my office is 17 miles, and it was an hour and a half commute each way. So I was spending three hours a day commuting. And then yeah, by the time you get to work, you're like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Hour and a half trying to get here on a metro. No, 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 no. So that's, a th- I- that's a thousand hours a year just Thank commuting. You. Yeah. And Metro, DC Metro, I mean, it's public transit and it costs a fortune. I was spending $400 a month. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, You get time back, you get money back. And like that peace of mind, I think there's a stress factor to commuting and and there's a lot of energy I think required to drive safely. So it's it's a, a load off. Yeah. So I get way more stuff done now being, having a home office, no interruptions, no commute time. Mm -hmm. Um, it's amazing. I love it. And we're missing all the snow. Well, you're in Denver, so you are used to all the snow stuff. Well, we get, we get like three, we only get three, two or three snowstorms a year, and then it melts pretty quickly because um, the mountains get all the snow. Today it was 60 degrees out, um, so I went on a run this morning. So it's, it's weird here. Sometimes it's blizzardy, but then it melts quickly. Um, so yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky. Um, is that your favorite thing about North Carolina is it's not shitty DC weather or what is your favorite thing? Yeah. Yeah. The weather. (laughs) Yeah. Shitty DC weather. It's either so humid that you're Mm -hmm. just ripping in sweat Mm -hmm. or it's cloudy and gloomy and ice cold. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, unless it's 67 degrees, um, it's awful. Yeah. Yeah. So here, North Carolina weather is amazing. It hasn't yeah. gotten too cold here. Uh, I don't wear a jacket. It's pretty amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is underrated. I think like the sunshine and and your the comfort of your body. <laughs> Some people it's important, and for me it's very important. <laughs> the comfort of your body. Yes, the comfort of your body. Because um, like in New York, you're you're trained to be uncomfortable. DC is similar. You're trained to like stay in like a cramped tiny space that's old and a fourth floor walk up in New York and it's loud and like you, you, the air conditioning's not great. And 
every restaurant's crowded. I don't know. Like you're trained to live, be uncomfortable. The city's dirty. Yeah. So comfort. What? I don't know why when you said that this popped in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, do you use any of those organic products for like deodorant, shampoo, any of that stuff? Um, I unfortunately don't use deodorant anymore. I need to buy some, some cologne because when I eat too much sugar, my body smells and I've been eating too much sugar. Anyway, bold is, bold you're is. not wearing deodorant. Correct. When I don't, when I don't eat sugar, when I'm like paleo and eating what I'm supposed to, my body doesn't smell, which is cool. Um, fortunately that's how I met Eva. Um, but she's corrupted me anyway. Um, I, we buy, I buy like natural soaps and, um, natural shampoos and it's like all like vegetable and fruit extracts and shit like that. So yeah, you could say that. Do you think your smell is affecting other people? I, I kind of want to have a survey because sometimes I'm like, Ooh, I'm a little, I'm a little funky after a like long when day. You're, what about when you're working out? Um, Oh, I'm sure I smell like when I'm working out, but I don't think I, I think you have to get pretty close to me to like notice the smell. Why don't you Um, just wear deodorant when you're going to the gym? Yeah. I think that would be the respectful thing to do. I think that's like a new thing that I've been hearing more and more is people are not wearing deodorant or they're trying these organic deodorants. And I'm like, that's not fooling anyone. It doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. work yet. No. It actually probably makes you smell worse. Um, it just like it grows the smell. It aerates it. I don't know. I um, I think I feel like I smell okay right now. But that's yeah. I think I'm going to invest. I think I'm. I want to drown it out with cologne. But yeah, I think deodorant while I work out is the respectful thing to do. So. So do you increase the number of showers you take because you're not wearing deodorant? Yeah, I usually take like two showers a day. Um at least I take at least one a day, but it's like two a day quite often. So what's the meaning behind no deodorant? Um, I don't like some of the like aluminum compounds they had in there. I used to be conspiracy guy. Um, but I've also, I'm, I'm big into like avoiding things that haven't been tested over like decades. Um, because like in the fifties people like used, we're, and we're around radiation quite frequently and we didn't know how bad it was. Um, there's just like untested things like GMOs that, that they don't allow in Europe because they're untested. Um, so there's like some metal compounds that could get into your bloodstream um, from deodorant that I wasn't a huge fan of. And that's why I stopped. Um, and then when and I started- all deodorants? Um, they're probably not in all deodorants, but most deodorants I found, I just- I didn't like the looks of the compounds. And then, and then from there, I just stopped doing the research and I used to wear cologne and then I started a paleo diet and I stopped having BO. So I kind of stopped thinking about it, but I'm glad we're talking about it. Cause I should buy some, I should look back into it. See if they took that metal shit out. I don't know. Well, I mean, if you're researching what's in your deodorant, do you do the same for shampoos um, or lotions? Yeah, I've yes. Because the shampoos and well, the shampoos and soaps that I, that I buy usually like, I know what all the ingredients are. It'll be like 20 or 10 or 20 ingredients, but it's all like extracts of things that I know like grapefruit or coconut or whatever. Um, and then like, if there's a couple ingredients that are chemically, I look them up 
and make sure that they're okay. So usually I do that. And then Eva gets this fucking super expensive French cream from L'Occitane. So I put that on my face to try and, to try and keep me from getting wrinkly. And I trust that, even though I'm sure there's some cancerous bullshit in there. Eh, I don't know. Everything, I guess, kills you and you just got to eat vegetables, you know? Yeah. It's just funny that people are cutting out the one thing that's like going to affect others right? Like if you cut out shampoo, I mean, I don't think that's really going to affect other people because mm. you're rinsing your hair at least, but mm. people are cutting out deodorant. And like, that's what's helping everyone. Right. And they're probably still eating Taco Bell or, or like drinking high fructose corn syrup. Like I'm sure there's something that they're putting in their body that's bad. So it's like, why are you drawing the line at deodorant, which, which we all need to I mean, have you not stink? Yeah, this is, I'm writing it down. Get deodorant. Writing it down. Okay, good. You've convinced me. It's the, it's, the, it's the decent thing to do, you know? It really is. Yeah. Uh, they don't write and they don't put what's in makeup products. Weird. So, yeah. So if you were to go and buy makeup, like mascara or powder or whatever, they don't have to tell you what's in it. So it's not really strongly regulated. So people have no idea what they're putting on their face. And I want to research more about that. There is a trend where women's products are less regulated. Um, Like IUDs, Eva was saying, like she started looking into her IUD and she found out that they all get rushed to market without much oversight. And I think it's just like people, like I think most bad in the world is not intentional. Um, but I think that these lawmakers are mostly men and they like honestly don't think of it or it doesn't get prioritized for some reason. But whether it's an IUD or makeup, it seems to be less regulated, which is weird. Yeah, I think that it's for sure less regulated. I think things for kids were too, but now that's become a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. There's a ton of honest products now for kids. Yeah. Um, but not really for women. <laughs> Uh, but interesting, I was scrolling Instagram the other day and, uh, ad for tampons came up and it was like these two girls talking about how, do you know what they, what products are in your tampon? And do you know that, how, like they're not regulated and all this stuff. And these two girls started a new company. So it's all natural products. And I was like, why? would I ever think about what's in a tampon? Why can't I just trust that it's not going to be some toxic thing that I'm putting inside of me? Yeah. Eva uses either Why do you think about that? I know. It's something you shove inside. I mean, it's crazy. It's very intimate. I don't remember if it's called her or she, but yeah, there's some natural brand I see kicking around my house. Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing, yeah, how how little people have cared about that and how they don't they don't make that like a point of emphasis. Um, when I was having horrible morning sickness, you know, I kept mm-hmm. buying ginger ale because mm-hmm. <laughs> like ginger ale, it's supposed to help your stomach and all this stuff, and it didn't do anything for me. Mm-hmm. And Adam started researching it, and there's no ginger in ginger ale. <laughs> it's uh, it's just sugar, sugar and flavoring. It's- yeah, there's actually no ginger. And so it's really messed up because if you look on these like Canada dry bottles, it says made with real ginger. 
But then when you go and look at the ingredients, they don't share their ingredients. So we started researching it and on their website, they specifically say, we don't legally have to tell you what's in it. Like they God. Don't... I was Weird. like, this is why it doesn't make me feel any better. There's actually no ginger in it. I'm just drinking a pound of sugar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You I wonder got... why we don't trust anything it's because of shit like that. Yeah. I got so mad at them. I'm reading their website. I'm like, how dare you say... We don't really have to tell you what's in our product. Just buy it anyways. So I will never buy. (laughs) It sounds like you're like 85 years old. Like, dear Canada dry ginger ale. I've done. (laughs) Yeah. I'm real pissed. And now every single one of my pregnant friends that are like, I'm trying to find ginger ale. I'm like, don't drink ginger ale. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Good. Good for you. Spread the word. I am. Buy ginger chews. Oh, we have some ginger chews. I had one this morning. Yeah, that's real ginger. Mm-hmm. They don't taste nearly as good. No, it's uh, it's a potent uh, ingredient, that ginger. Ugh, it's really not good. I like ginger beer, though. Have you had, like, real ginger beer? Like, non-alcoholic no. with ginger in it? It's good. It's like a ginger chew flavor, but in a soda, so it's kind of spicy and strong. Why is it called ginger beer? Um... I think that was just a distinction because they also have ginger ale that has real ginger, like Reed's is a brand. Um, but I don't know why they call it ginger beer. There must be some random distinction they make. Are those Zevias? Uh, I don't know. What's that? It's a soda. Oh, okay. And they, they have a ginger flavored? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet they have. I bet that tastes similar. Spicy. Ugh. It's I definitely really- a new thing in like delis and upscale places. So do you and Eva have the same diet? No, no, it's difficult. It's a problem because we have different like body types, I think, and genetics. I I took a 23andMe test and it confirmed what I thought, which is like, yeah. And it's, I have like some markers for like high protein and high meat diets. um, And it's better for me to not have carbs. And I eat a ton of vegetables, but I eat raw vegetables and tons of meat, uh, or I used to. I've cut down my meat significantly um, for sustainability purposes. But Eva eats tons of carbs and is not gluten-free um, and, like, eats chocolate all the time. So it's a, it's a problem because it's, it's almost a value system difference, but it's not, it's not that big of a deal because she's respectful of me. She has to hide chocolate because I'm a food addict. So she has to like hide her fucking goodies from me. And she is um, a trooper because she like finds random hiding spots around our small apartment. So it's funny. Yeah. So um, you know how Matt used to get like super stoned every night and then just gorge out on whatever was in the kitchen? Yes. Our mutual friend, Matt. Yes. Um, The one night I came home and he was so excited because he found cake in the freezer and he was just going to town. And I was like, that's my wedding cake. Oh, no saving it so that we could eat the top on our one year anniversary I forgot about that but my favorite one was when I came home and I caught him chewing and spitting out so he could just taste the food and <laughs> swallow it so he wouldn't gain weight and uh oh it's like what this He's is like not- a high school girl yeah but then the next night, he'd be like, yeah, I'm over that. And he'd be eating an entire rotisserie chicken. Uh, yeah, the one, the 12-hour diet. 
<laughs> where he's spitting out food. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's pretty, that's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, living with him was real fun. He would not, he just, you know those people who just have the most crazy diet? Like he did not eat. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't eat breakfast, so then he would eat lunch, and then he wouldn't eat dinner. But then at like 1 a.m., he would finish an entire bag of chips and then go to bed. I'm like, so what you had today was a sandwich, an entire bag of potato chips. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. That's all you ate. Was- yeah, that's weird. I think if he eats, if he would eat like salads all the time, he would be like just in incredible shape, I presume. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it, I would get really frustrated because people always ask Adam, you know, what he eats and what mm-hmm. his diet's like and what his um, uh, gym routine is and all this stuff. And I would get so mad because I make every meal. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be like, why are you asking him? You know? Yeah. I make it. <laughs> You're the one behind all this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the one that's cooking here. Why are you asking me? Mm -hmm. And so I started to um, record it. And when I was really, really bored at the end of my pregnancy, and I couldn't do anything. I was just a whale and sitting there. Um, So I started a Instagram post and it's just called strange (laughs) kitchen. Um, And I started posting our dinner every night. I'm like, this is what Adam eats. But since I didn't put my name to it, it was just called Strange Kitchen. Everyone assumed it was Adam. So Adam kept getting all these texts going, I love your Instagram, man. It's so good. I'm following your Instagram. I'm like, God damn it. I still can't get credit for this. (laughs) Yeah, really. And so you and Adam went to high school together, right? Yes. How big was your high school? I'm always curious. This is kind of a recurring theme on the show, high school talk. High school talk. Uh, I think our graduating class was 530, 500. Okay, big school. Is that big? I mean, I graduated with 150 kids in our class, so. Okay, then yeah. Well, so within a two-mile radius, there were three high schools. Um, And we had the smallest. Wow. So. Northern Virginia is crowded. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we took all the rejects. So anytime someone got expelled, they went to our school. Oh, fun. Um, that's why Adam and I got together. Right, right, right. Uh, no, but Adam and I never dated in high school. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, um, so did you, do you remember, I mean, it might be different because your class was bigger. Do you remember qualifying or like categorizing your schoolmates in school? Like, oh, this one's a loser. That one's creepy. <laughs> those are so harsh well like with that one that person's cool like I want to be their friend but they'll never be my friend I don't know did did you have like groups of people and do you think like those categorizations were fair in hindsight because I sure (laughs) um no I don't think we did I remember the older classes having distinct groups like this is the basketball group this is a football group these are the yeah. drama kids, all that. Mm. But our grade didn't have that. We everyone just got along. Everyone was at a, like everybody went to every party. Um, so your parties were like huge ragers. Yeah. Oh. 
like at a house or in a field or how was how did that go down there were a lot of uh house parties um so like parents out of town or parents letting the kids have ragers well so one of our friends he his parents had two houses and one and the one house they lived in and then the second house it was for like um a space where they could work so it wasn't no one was in it on the weekends and so we used that one a lot um but the cops knew about it so um it got to a point where they would just show up and then say that we all need to go inside or we need to tone it down or we have to cut it for the night um so we had a pretty good relationship going with the cops at the end just because it was happening so frequently Um, wow (laughs) so yeah i mean doesn't everyone you have like those houses that you would go to i think my parents house was one of those houses we would have parties at if my parents were out of town i had like the house that had like the fun basement and the pool in the backyard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was one other house that we'd go to all the time. So I think we'd circulate between those three. Yeah. Did yeah. We had a couple of people. Hmm? Did you have like the house? Not really. We had like a, a few, like a couple people's houses. And I'm, I feel like it was usually the like first generation American kids, like either their parents were for, like from Korea or like their parents were from Israel. And I remember one morning, John Zemmel's, shout out John Zemmel, his mom or his dad was like helping us clean up after we had like a few people over. And he was, and he was like, Jonathan, like you have to stop, your friends are kicking grass inside. And they like threw out like a nugget of weed at the door um, in their backyard. And I always wondered like, are these people this fucking clueless or are they just cool because they're foreign and they're like eh, we're gonna let this all slide so I, I never knew but either way that's kind of what I'm written down yeah I, I don't know because I didn't have that household my parents mm-hmm. were pretty strict all throughout high school until senior year senior oh. year they knew I was get, I what college I was going to and everything was like okay um then everything got way more relaxed mm-hmm. interesting yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think mine was pretty consistent. But did did you like go crazy? Did you cut a bunch of class and get hammered or no? No, I was a really good kid. So yeah, they knew they knew what they were doing. Yeah, but it's weird because I was the oldest. So oh. I think my parents like set in those strict rules and were like, "All right, let's see how this goes." And then as they went through all the kids, more and more rules dropped. So then uh-huh. when Quinn was like my age, he was doing all kinds all kinds of stuff. <laughs> we kind of were just like, meh, he's gonna be fine. Yeah. Well that happens even when raising like a toddler. Like if it's your third toddler, you're like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I think rules in general can go like that. So I'm eight years older than my youngest brother, Quinn. Mm-hmm. And he I was outside playing basketball. This is like I'm in senior in college, I think. And he comes outside and he's so bummed. And I was like, what's going on? Why are you so mad? And he's like, well, my mo- or mom, just got, mom just caught me sexting. And I'm like, what? what is sexting? I don't even know what this is. How old is he? He's eight? No, I said I'm eight years older than him. He is in, he's in middle school. Okay. Um, he's in eighth grade. And I... 
so he's explaining to me what it what, what it is right so he's just sending these messages to this girl and then uh mom's pissed or whatever and i'm like well how did mom find out and he's like because the girl's mom called our house and left a voicemail saying that her daughter is never allowed to see Quinn again. Oh, no. And it's like ripping him apart on a voicemail. Oh, so it's no. like, we can save this. It's, it's not like a phone call, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, that's proof. So I'm like, yes, this is great. So I go inside and I'm talking to my mom. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to call her back? I'm thinking this is like, this is like real housewives, you know? I'm so excited. And my mom's like, I don't know. I'm more annoyed that Quinn got caught than then he was doing it. Right. <laughs> and so she's like, I'm not going to call him back. I'm not going to call her back. Like, we'll just let this go. I'm going to tell him not to do it again. Whatever. So this is eighth grade. The next year, Quinn's in high school, and he walks in on his first day of high school, and his English teacher is that girl's dad. Oh. In a my mom was like, okay, so clearly we have to get you out of this class because he's not going to grade you fair. Um, so she, yeah, that one like just dragged on poor Quinn. So he, my mom had to go to school and like talk to the counselor and get him switched out of the class. It's big to do. God, what a conflict of interest for the teacher. Yeah. I'm like, what are you going to go do? Talk to the counselor and say, my son was, having weird relations future is like you get a d on this paper just like the d you sent to my daughter (laughs) oh that's terrible sorry quinn (laughs) yeah but quinn's doing really well so he moved to san francisco no he moved to san diego oh nice and he's pursuing music so shout out to quinn um yes he's on spotify now oh really nice yeah he's on spotify his songs i'm learning all about this stuff so his songs hit a thousand listens views clicks whatever um and once that happens then it they keep the tally going um <laughs> that's not his name <laughs> yeah mike what's his last name i'm trying to look him up on spotify but he, you do not have the same last name no do you want me to spell it <laughs> um, his, we'll get it yeah get, let's get his a band out. name is um k w n so if you said it out loud it's quinn okay Uh, so it's quinn on spotify yeah so i think he's pretty good he writes everything um and he has his instagram account he is a funny kid so all of his instagram posts and his videos i you know get a laugh at it Mm -hmm. uh but that's yeah, cool. so that's what he's doing. Shout outs to Quinn on Spotify. Very nice. Yay. Quinn. So what um when you're in high school and like after school did you have sports after school or did you just fuck around at what was the after school routine for a, a tailor growing up? <laughs> I I was a basketball player and then I switched to tennis. I was really small. I didn't have hundred pounds until I was a senior. Mm-hmm. I was just really little mm-hmm. so I played basketball growing up I always played basketball and then when I got to high school I just couldn't gain weight and so I was like being pushed around on the court a lot I couldn't hold my own and I was like fuck this I'm done so I picked up tennis and started playing tennis so I was a tennis player the rest of high school do you think a female 
um, can ever play in the NBA? What? No. <laughs> I think one could. I think one but, will. Like a transgender? No, or? no. I think somebody who is born female could like be six foot one and have handles uh, like Steph Curry and shoot three pointers. I think that could happen. But why if she's playing in the WNBA? Do you think a guy should be playing in a, the WNBA? Um, I think that there should be mixed gendered. That, that I think the NBA should be mixed gendered because it's like the highest competition in the world. But yeah, I think I think women should be uh, should be playing men's sports when available, even if there is a female option. Because kids, like if you if you put your daughter in like six year like when she's seven, if you put her in in basketball, she's going to be put with other girls which makes no sense because she's going to be bigger than half the boys or, or like if she's a big kid, like when you're that young, there is no size. There's not that much of a size difference. And there's studies that show that women grow faster, but yeah, like hand-eye coordination, I don't think is genetic to men. And I think if a chick like was super committed to it and just was like encouraged to do it, I think that could happen if, if they, if they grew tall enough, you know? So do you think they should be intermixed from the beginning? Yeah. For all sports? Um, I think for like basketball and tennis and baseball. Um, yeah, like everything, but like I, even lacrosse, may, mm, lacrosse is physical, but I think when you start as a kid, it's not that physical. But I think most sports that aren't like football or maybe hockey or wrestling, you know? Soccer, I guess. Baseball. Yeah. yeah. And like, yeah, like most men are bigger than most women. And so uh, like ultimately it's going to be mostly men, but I could totally see in 30 years teams having females on the bench who like come off the bench and score three pointers and, and like have really good handles and they're not going to be as big as the men, but I feel like that could totally be. Hmm. I don't so. know how I feel about it. I haven't thought about it. Yeah, most people have, there's this one little girl, there's like a YouTube video of this chick who's like, I want to be the first female NBA player. And she's really good. Like she's better than the other like 11 year olds, um, including boys. So it's still pre-puberty, but she's pretty fucking good. So, you know, we'll see. I wonder why, like, why does she want to be in the NBA? Um, I don't know. I think it's just like a personal drive. Like I want to be the first like fuck plant like why should i just be the best woman when i could be the best you know so even if it doesn't happen i think it's it's inspiring yeah i haven't given it that much thought something that does come up in our household often is whether or not a female should be in infantry just because of adam's military background right so that is something that i've given thought to but i haven't really thought about the sports just because mm there's women teams. If there mm -hmm. wasn't a team for women, then I would be more pressed to say they need a place to play too, that type of thing. But Right. Yeah, no, it's good that they have like sports leagues that promote. And it's good that I think in the NBA, especially like the men support the women as like equals, um, like in, when it comes to the Olympics and stuff. So we've come a long way for sure. But I think, and, and I think this is the first generation or one of the first few generations of girls that will be grow, growing up being like, you can, you can be an engineer, you can be a scientist, you're smart and you're strong. Um, even in the 90s, like, even if we thought that way about adults, we didn't necessarily like 
press that on, on kids in a conscious way. So if you had a daughter and a son, do you think you would naturally raise them different or treat them differently? Um, I don't think, I, I think I would treat them differently based on how they wanted to be treated. Is that, does that make sense? Like, like if the chick was into girly things, like I'm not going to stop them from being girly things. Like if you both know? of them said, I'm really, really cold and you're outside. Um, yeah, I think I would hopefully, I would like to think I would treat them the same. I don't know. That's an that's a interesting question because I'm not a parent. Would you be like, Ugh, here is my jacket to your daughter and then look at your son and be like, okay, it's not that cold. Um, I don't think so. Hopefully my sister is about to adopt a, a little girl. So I'll have a niece. Um, I only have nephews right now who are young. So it's hard to think. Um, I think I would, I would do the same thing, I think. Um, I might want to like teach the girl that she can be tougher, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I would, maybe I would be influenced to be like, stick it out, little girl. (laughs) I have no idea. It is a weird time that we're living that we're pushing so hard for everything to be equal. Mm -hmm. Even in like the sports and the military and Mm -hmm opportunities Mm -hmm. I don't yeah I don't yeah the military is one I don't I don't know that much of I know like in a corporate setting even if um like a female or a transgendered person or a non-white person or an immigrant even if they seem less qualified or like they don't nail the interview as well like just having the different voice in the room and if they're smart and capable like I think will come in handy like I think that does create really good businesses um, but I don't know how it applies to the military. Yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't know enough to have an actual discussion about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't thought about it enough to have a strong opinion. Does he have an, does he talk about it the same way about like, tra- is transgender in the military the same as females in the military? Do you know, like in, in Adam's mind? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Cause there's like a lot, there were a lot of them. And, um, a lot of them in like high high places and it's kind of like a readiness issue like there there's a lot of like willing and able people to contribute so it's um theoretically beneficial to have like everybody who wants to serve serve so i don't know i think something that would really bug me about a female in um a playing on a male's team mm-hmm. is that it would take away from the game <laughs> I feel that the focus would then be just about the fact that she's playing, you know, and it wouldn't be about the game anymore. I think um, that would bug me. I don't know. I, I don't think people would feel that way about Jackie Robinson. You know? Yeah. It's, um, you mean like in adds- the beginning, it may be like a culture shock, but then it would evolve and it would be normal. Yeah. I think it, it would, be I think it would be a positive to talk about it um like how it was ultimately a positive that Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier um it's obviously different because he was the same gender but um I think it's a yeah good conversation to have and I like when sports are more than just about sports I like when it's about like a team coming together and camaraderie and there's like locker room dynamics and there's a financial aspect. There's like ownership and season ticket holders and sponsors. 
and and so like pol and politics could be rolled up. The NBA didn't um, host the All Star Game in North Carolina for like five years because of the um, transgendered bathroom bill. I don't know if you know about this about your state. Yes. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. So the NBA is now going to Charlotte for the All-Star game because North Carolina changed their rules. So like, I like when sports get political. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that means that you enjoyed the conversations around the stand, no stand for the flag. Yeah, I think it's great. Like why, like sports are useless. I mean, it's, it's ways to get our aggression out. I feel like it's like, we're playing war. Um, but if sports can have like an extra dimension where we're talking about police brutality, um, it's the conversation's been weird and like probably unproductive, <laughs> but I think it's better than there not being a conversation at all. I don't know. I think it makes it more interesting. I know a lot of people hate it, but yeah. Do you hate it? I don't hate it. I'm kind of indifferent. I don't really get into sports as much anymore because they're not just about sports. Mm -hmm. Kind of like paying to go see a comedy and them being all sappy and drama as well. And you're like, I'm here to watch a comedy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or, totally. you know, you go to a concert in DC and nine out times out of 10, that person who's not even remotely political wants to talk about politics because they're in DC. And it's like, I'm not here to listen to you talk about politics. I'm here to listen to your songs. Mm. So I kind of feel that way about sports. It's like, I don't really care what you have to say about standing or not standing. I want to see you perform as a professional right. football player. Like mm -hmm. that's what I'm watching. Yeah, totally. That makes but sense. I also get the other side of it and why people do like it because it starts conversations. And so I see both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think too much. I've been I've been trying to focus my energy less on like divisive and and anger um, oriented emotions and more towards like love and like and like how we should be positive about things. And so, I think if the tone of kneeling or protesting or whatever is to like show solidarity with people who feel like they've been victimized, I think that's good. Um, and that's why like. My mom hates when Meryl Streep gets political, for example, like when she accepts awards. Yeah. And I tell my mom, like, well, the message isn't for you. Like, if you, if you don't like the message, it's probably not for you. And I think somewhere there are, like, thousands of people who find this, like, comforting and inspiring. Um, and so I think that's ultimately a good thing. But it's unfortunate. Like, that's – you do have to be conscientious of how your message is received. You can't just, like – insist on being like this is how I feel and I'm going to speak my voice because you might turn people off and if you want to convince people you should um try and change your message so I don't know if kneeling or pro like every protest is perfect but it's I think it's better than nothing I guess ultimately <laughs> yeah I think it's unfortunate that it's also disrespectful <laughs> mm -hmm. but I'm trying really hard, you know, especially in the political climate that we're in, to not pick a team or a side mm -hmm. in mm -hmm. one way. You know, I'm not going to say I'm Republican or I'm Democrat or I'm liberal or whatever the team you want to play for may be. So, but in that, you have to, like, really research and see this both sides. Mm -hmm. But it gets really yeah. emotional. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's hard it's not hard. to. It's really hard to have conversations with people sometimes because they just want to be right or they want to hear themselves talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we, it's easy to forget that we most, almost everybody wants the best for the world and for the future. And like, we have different ideas on how to get there, but we all want safety and peace and like happiness. I don't think most people there, most people aren't like, I want hatred and division and like racism. I don't think most people are like that. So, um, remembering that like, we're all coming from the same place and we want the same things and we just disagree on, on how to get there is like, important to remember because then you're just like yelling and then you retreat to like your echo chamber yeah and then you start looking around you and you're like all of my friends are the exact same person because I keep putting myself in the room with the people who are going to agree with me like Mm -hmm. that can't be great yeah I have a lot of the same conversations with a lot of my friends because I've selected them based on that and yeah it's nice to have have different opinions and not hear the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, my family's very like anti-abortion and in New York, people are just like freaking out over where the laws are going and like where the politics are going. And um, I don't know, Facebook, Facebook's algorithm has been like pressing my buttons and I'm like, let's just stay calm and stay loving and not worry about this bullshit. Yeah. Just don't click up Facebook for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Take like a little, a little reset from, from like the emotion factory. Um, do you, today is Super Bowl Sunday. Do you have, do you have, uh, do, do you uh, like have memories growing up as a kid watching the Super Bowl or do you ever do anything special? No, I just remember eating a lot and I'm really excited specifically about the food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl foods are great. It's a great food holiday. You know, I'm remembering a Super Bowl that we spent together. Oh, I forgot about that. Forgot about until right now. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty it's sure I blacked out. <laughs> and missed work the next day. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like it could be. Were there a lot of people at, at your place for that? Was yeah. Was party? Yeah. Whoops. And, ba- and Bang was there, so we know it was getting lit at some point. Oh, bang. <laughs> um, I remember, yeah, like one year going to Ben Arfa's house. Shout out to Ben Arfa. And um, this was the Tennessee Titans Rams Super Bowl. I think it was like 99. I think it was 20 years ago. Um, and Ben Arfa wore like a Tennessee Titans jersey. And I remember thinking like, you're not a fucking Titans fan, dude. I've never seen you with that jersey. And as I look back, I'm like, I was an asshole as a kid. Who who am I? Who cares? Yeah, I never asked you what group were you in in high school. Um, I had friends. I was popular. And I was on the football team. But the football team wasn't cool. So, like, jocks weren't really a thing. And half of us were, like, stoners. Um, And, like, our school was kind of ran by, like, the theater department. (laughs) Um, And I was just, like kind of an asshole um i don't know that's great yeah we didn't have like we had like a small group of goth kids and like i there were two like there was like a nerdy popular group and like a popular popular group and i like 
had one foot in both. But then I was also friends with the degenerates who smoked weed um, and who now have like some of the best jobs of all of us because they went to vo vocational school, Votech. So yeah, I was like a little bit of a drifter. Did you start smoking in high school? Yeah. Yeah, I, um, the first time I got high was at Mike Keston's house. He, he had a giant mansion. And I remember swimming in the pool feeling like it was Super Mario Brothers and I was in a video game. Like I'd close my eyes and I'd be like, I feel like I'm in fucking Super Mario. This is, this is crazy virtual reality shit. Um, and I think that was in, I think that was in like ninth grade going into 10th grade, maybe something like that. So I guess that's pretty young. Yeah, that was pretty young. That was like, I think I was like 15. Yeah, I was 15. And then by the time I was 17, it was like pretty, pretty regular habit. I remember Adam asking you once, did you have a pool in your backyard growing up? And you said, yes, we weren't savages. <laughs> <laughs> Something that we quote quite frequently. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we weren't savages. That's right. Apparently when I was a young kid, my mom said like, we would go to somebody else's house and they'd be like, so where's your pool? Like we don't have a pool here. We're like normal. So yeah, I, I grew up in a very, very nice house, very privileged neighborhood. <laughs> you did. What did your parents do? Uh, my dad was a stockbroker, so he um, was a big time Wall Street guy. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, he was. He had his GED and was a drug dealer um, until he was like in his late twenties, and then he went to Wall Street and picked up like some low level job running mail and pieces of paper back and forth and like worked his way up. And he's some weird savant who like knows how to make a ton of money and invest properly. But he's like a fucking savage animal who eats with his mouth open and wipes his mouth with the, the tablecloth and, uh, and is just like a general slob. Um, so it's a weird, it's a very interesting, he's also very, he's very charming. It's a weird, he's a weird guy, but he made a lot of money, so. Did your mom work? Um, before they had um, kids, my mom ran a beauty uh, parlor, um, like a salon in the Bronx. And my dad's brother was one of the hairdressers. Um, my dad's brother, my gay uncle Vinny. And uh, yeah, she like ran the shit out of that place. They were like super successful. And then she... Uh, she had us and my dad was like making enough money. So, yep. Do you have a good relationship with them? Um, I guess I have a great relationship with my mom and she's probably listening to this. And my dad and I have an interesting relationship because he's like an overgrown child who worked um, like up to 80 hours a week. So I barely saw him. And when I did see him, he had like a super low tolerance for alcohol. So he'd drink like two glasses of wine and start yelling at my mom for something. So there was like abuse and neglect in our family, um, emotionally, not physically. So it took me a while to like talk to my dad about that. And um, since I did, it's been pretty great because he never had anybody like tell him all those things. Um, and he doesn't understand like what it, what it means to like process emotions. So it took him like three weeks to process something that would take you or I like half an hour to process emotionally. Um, 
but he did it and like we've never been closer so i have a pretty good relationship with uh with my parents despite like a weird upbringing has anything come up now that we're older that your parents tell you and you're like that's what happened (laughs) no my mom has been pretty tight-lipped about it all um I just know, like, I just remember hearing, like, things being thrown around. Um, so I, I've never heard any, like, secrets. And if I did, I'm sure I'd be like, eh, all right. <laughs> now, have you, have you, have your parents told you, like, do you remember when your father was not living here for three weeks? And you were like, wait, what? Did that ever happen? No, but I didn't know my aunt and uncle were such potheads until recently like my mom being like yeah do you not remember like during christmas when they would go and do blah 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 and then come back and because they were out smoking the whole time or or find out like you know your dad's friend whatever my dad's friend's name is yeah that's really who like provides the drugs or like you know like stuff like that that like will come up now i'm like what i had no idea oh that's so funny that's great none of that has ever happened Now, I mean, I pretty much know, like, the older generation of my family never smoked pot, and me and my cousins do, but I, yeah, nothing ever, like, seek, like, any, nothing juicy, nothing fun. I think because we, we're we're up each other's ass anyway, so we kind of know most of the stuff. I don't know. Were your parents strict growing up? Um, they were pretty strict. Yeah, like, my mom would put soap in my mouth when I cursed, and, um, which is, like, abusive, and, (laughs) She would fucking paddle me with a spoon, which is abusive. Thanks, mom. Like tw- in tw- 2019, that shit don't go down, even if it's a woman doing it. Um, so yeah, there was, there was some uh, corporal punishment going on. And I mean, they didn't want me to lie. That was like the big thing. But what and, about like in high school? Like, could you get away with smoking and going out and stuff like that? Uh, my mom caught me like stinking a couple times senior year. She was like, I can't believe you're fucking here like this. Um, but in general, like they didn't want me smoking. That's for sure. If they ever caught me with pot, they'd probably like give me the whole, like you're in trouble thing. Um, so yeah, they're pretty like by the book. Like my mom thinks the war on drugs was like a good thing, which is nuts. Like she's a weird conservative. Um, and that's like a punitive measure of like drug enforcement that I think is wrong. Um, so, and they're, they, they're, they grew up religious, um, Christian. So my dad might not have cared that much, but my mom probably would have. And my grandfather who lived with us, who was like off the boat from Italy, he definitely would have fucking cared and took out the belt. So. Did he speak Italian? Yeah. He came here when he was, I think like, he he came here when he was, 16 or 17 something like that in 1922 um and did not speak english and learned english when he moved here to the bronx um with like his cousins and he worked for the city of new york and i wish he was alive today because i'm pretty sure he'd be a socialist like me because he was a city worker and an immigrant but i love hearing about old people especially i know i wish he was alive i wish i could hear stories um, but you didn't learn any, you didn't pick up Italian at all living with him? No, I learned it in school. Um, he, he would speak English around us all the time. Um, 
my family like worked hard to like Americanize themselves. Like they loved my grandfather loved the Yankees and loved fucking Fourth of July. It was pretty funny. Um, but he he still had a lot of Italian roots, obviously. But he was from Calabria, and they speak a really thick accent, and like they chop off the end of words. Um, so like instead of uh, escarole for the vegetable escarole, they say scarole, and um, they they cut off a lot of words, so it's almost a different language. It's just a heavy dialect. Hmm. So I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to learn like true Italian from him. Yeah. But I learned in school, which isn't not nearly the same, obviously, as if I had like a person speaking it at home. Yeah, I know it's kind of reverse now. You, my grandfather is from Ukraine, and when he was growing up, you weren't allowed. You had to speak English. Like they mm-hmm. wanted you to be American. You were American. You speak English. You everything an American kid would do, and they were like just so pressed on that. And now I feel like no one says they're American. They're, they never lead with that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, where are you from? I'm half Ukrainian, half Polish. It's mm-hmm. like, no one, it's opposite now. Yeah, I've tried to make a point, like my mom will be like, you're Italian. I'll be like, I'm Italian-American. Like, I'm an American. I'm but really why are you Italian-American? Why aren't you American-Italian? Um, I guess not American of Italian descent or something like that would be the, the appropriate, you're right. Cause I'm like so proud of being an American. Like I, and I'm so not an Italian, you know, I'm yeah. like really an American. How did your grandfather come here? Or like when from Ukraine? Um, so he was born here. Mm-hmm. So his family moved Got you. Here, um, came in you know, through Ellis Island, through New York, and then made their way to um, this little tiny coal mining town called Coltmont because of a job in coal mining. Mm-hmm. And then my grandfather became a coal miner. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, he took us down to the coal mines a couple of times, which is insane. I don't really. Understand. Yeah. Are uh, they like all closed now or? Yeah, I mean, they're not working coal mines, but you go, like, into the mine. The first time I went down, I was really scared. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because, I mean, you're going over a 1,000 feet uh, into the mine. And, yeah, just the stories he had growing up being in the coal mines. And he was in Korea for the Korean War. He was drafted. So his stories are just, like, nowhere near what my parents' stories are, you know? Mm. Wow. What? You, you did what? <laughs> yeah. Um, you, should, uh, you should record his stories. Is he still alive? No, he died. I think I remember when he passed. Yeah. Um, th- those stories are so interesting, like so unique. Yeah. He, one of the stories was he, there was, they were down in the mines and they collapsed. Mm-hmm. And his brother was halfway above they were like trying to get out and his brother was halfway out and um that's how they found them because they found his brother and he survived because his face got smushed against his brother's pant leg and he could get oxygen through his pant leg oh my god like shit like that it's like he was a teenager Mm -hmm. it's like i had a really rough commute (laughs) right yeah, life was tough. They would, like, immigrants just had to, like, and kids of immigrants just had to, like, sacrifice their whole lives for the next generation. 
Mm-hmm. It was insane. Yeah. I know. So like then you flash forward to today and my brother's basketball team, uh, he's making dinner for the whole basketball team. This is a few years ago. And one of the kids on the basketball team, Max, he's mm-hmm. a black kid and he has, he's adopted and he has two dads. And so just explaining to my grandfather, you know, like you can't call him a colored kid, you know, like, and he's like, Oh, okay. And like, he doesn't know, you know? And like, yeah, they're both of his dads, you know, it's mm-hmm. like explaining. It's, it's just so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you, if you didn't grow up with that, like with more than one gender or two dads, like it's, um, when, when you're an adult mind and your brain is set, it's like much more difficult to explain than to like a four-year-old, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I really admired about him though. He, he was accepting of all of it. Mm-hmm. So he didn't always understand or know the right thing to say. But then when you would tell him and you would teach him, he'd be like, okay. He wasn't like some old guy that was stuck in his ways and no, that's not right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I'm sure that, um, served him well like throughout his years like having that easygoing (laughs) non-stubborn mindset yeah I guess you have to growing up in the things that you see Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. did you just believe all that well you know we we've we've covered a lot and (laughs) I don't know it was it it was just my bullshit notes I think we we got some all the stuff I, I wanted to talk about. You got anything else that we should uh, talk about for this episode? I don't think so. I feel like we've talked a long time. I know. it's This is some, some good pod. You're a <laughs> I hope someone finds it interesting. I don't even know what we talked about. Well, we know one thing for sure. My mom will find it interesting. Oh, so, that's good. You have a supportive mom nice. listening. Yeah. Well, I, you know, we've, we've talked for so long that no one's probably listening anymore. So you can really say whatever you want. (laughs) I'll refrain. Okay. Well, have, have fun today with, with your, your wonderful family and and with the Super Bowl. You too. Enjoy Mm, Colorado. Yes, I will. And um, I'll hopefully see you guys soon, but we should get on the pod uh, again and do a follow-up. I know. Next time I want to um, be more relaxed and not have a kid in the other room. Oh, yes. Well, the kid's always going to be in the other room metaphorically, but I thought you seemed relaxed. I thought you were I'll good. get some of my CBD oils out yes. and be on uh, the same page as you. <laughs> yes, it'll be a CBD party. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks, AJ. Thank you, Taylor. And um, I figured we can... We can have uh, our friend Brittany take us out again. Oh, God. So this is, uh, I think we have a, uh, not a girl, not yet a woman. Well, let's not have, let's not have it too loud. So here's Brittany Spears once again. Thank you again, Taylor. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back on real soon with more Unnecessary Podcast. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. life doesn't know.